0: Welcome, welcome, welcome one and all to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. You got to remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. On this episode, we're going to discuss a hodgepodge of things going on out there in the baseball world. We're getting really amped up, getting ready for, like, full-blown Rockies off-season coverage. But it's just way not quite the off-season yet. There is still baseball going on out there on the diamond, and Patrick, what baseball it has been, good sir, since last we spoke, a pair of really phenomenal, dramatic baseball games, Uh, one ending in a fashion that none of us will ever forget, it will be one of those things that we talk about forever, and ever, and ever in the pantheon of just discussing baseball things, And the other was almost equally as historically significant. One of your predictions coming true, and that was that Clayton Kershaw, arguably the best pitcher of a generation, inarguably a top three pitcher of this generation, finally had the big game in the big moment, pitched his great World Series game. And as you said, coming into this thing, we are seeing the two best teams in baseball, playing each other well, and in the most important games. This is what you want if you're a baseball fan, if you're the commissioner, if you love the World Series. This has been fantastic.
1: This is precisely the prescription, if you will, that MLB you know wanted to have at this point in its postseason where, again, you have the two best teams playing and there's no questions about, well, this team snuck in because of the expanded playoff format. And you have a a team that has a lot of dark clouds above it, like the Houston Astros, and you just get the two best teams and probably the two most exciting teams. You know, you, you're a big fan of, of Atlanta. and, And how can you not, you know, enjoy watching that team with some of the exciting stars that they have on. If the Yankees were in this spot, they've got a lot of good exciting players on it as well, but this is like kind of deservedly. So this, uh, the idea of, David versus Goliath, and um, and man, uh, David is doing a pretty nice job uh, trying to, to defeat the Goliath. I'll tell you that, and it's it's been a, exactly what baseball needed, I think, and and sports fans in general too. I know ratings are down a little bit, but they're they're down across the board in 2020 because people are yeah. kind of just realizing that oh, there is other things going on besides sports and it's hard to be as invested especially when you're not going to the games um, right. so game one had like eleven thousand people at it which has been common throughout all of them and it's the least attended world series since 1909 mm. but yeah that's gonna happen in a in a pandemic so it's yeah jake and john boy were to, there just, though they were there they, they got to go they there at game four and uh witness something that they had no idea what it was at first and we're we're still going back and looking at that play and thinking I was gonna say what, what
0: was it, Patrick? What was it? We... Well, so yeah, <laughs> well, here we are, or here we were
1: in game four. So Saturday we night. <laughs> Saturday night. I had for me, my personal story was I had just crossed all of Colorado. I was in West, I was on the western slope, drove through Palisades, absolutely beautiful. Palisade, excuse me. Uh, your hometown there. Fantastic. Fantastic. I've been through there a couple times already, but I never kind of put two and two together and it wasn't, you know, your Palisade. It was, it was something different. It was just this area in in a valley that's beautiful with these wineries. It's it's majestic. Driving through, finally get home at night through the mountains, which is treacherous, even when the weather conditions are, are solid sat down to watch the game and lo and behold, it just kind of cemented the whole day as being magical because Brett Phillips comes up uh, after pinch running earlier in the game, a guy who had not gotten an at bat, a plate appearance didn't haven't stood at home plate since October 7th. So full 17 days before that was left off of the ALCS roster going against him. Yeah. Going against one of the best closers of all time. Granted, there's, there's been some flaws we've seen this offseason. We're not sure how much Kenley Jensen, Jansen has left in the tank, but dude, still a 300-game save closer. Uh, 24 or so saves, I think, in the postseason. Had like a 22, 2.24 ERA going into that at-bat. Runner on first and second, down to their last strike. And something happened for only the third time and I believe at that point was 667 World Series games, and that was a team that was down. They were losing with two outs. This time it was with two strikes. Comes back. Phillips, the single to center field. The runner uh, on second base. The runner's on first and 2nd The They're on second scores. You know that's locked in. We're going to be tied at sevens. Chris Taylor thinking ahead, saying, I can't let a Rosarena get to third base. And his eyes get off the ball as he's looking to, towards third base, as if he's gonna throw across his body there. Would have been uh too aggressive of a play to make. Yeah. Ball gets away from skirts away. So Rosarena thinks, I have a chance at scoring here. And third base coach waves him home and he's going to be out by a mile. Even Max Muncy cuts it but, off. Doesn't need to.
0: But he throws he's, home. He's he's dead to rights by 12 feet 14? he falls down
1: even if he doesn't fall down <laughs> trying to score from third base right he's dead to rights muncie cut off man over to will smith uh, another rookie rookie on rookie there at home plate and smith doesn't realize rosarena fell down doesn't know how close of a play it's going to be and starts turning his body without the ball and the ball You know, trickles away. You can barely see it, even when you watch the replay. You can barely see the ball get away. It actually kicks off of the umpire. Kenley Jansen, instead of backing up home plate, he's standing in front of home plate. So, Rosarena stands back up, goes, dives with barely enough momentum to slide head first. Stops on home plate. Game over. Rays win game four. Eight to seven. Brett Phillips, the walk-off winner. Meanwhile, he's in the outfield with his arms to his sides, just flying around, waiting for his teammates to dogpile him and catch up to him. And it's one of the greatest endings uh, of a World Series games we'll ever see.
0: Yeah. And there's no, like, <laughs> like you couldn't do that in, in a video game. You, yeah. I've never seen that play before in any other, like, there's no way, there's like no metric that qualifies who did something awesome and who did something terrible on that play. Cause the Rays are in it. Like we said, like, like, it was a bad decision to go home and he fell down. <laughs> so it's not like you're going, well, great base running. The, the Rays managed to steal that game. So as much as you can say, well, Hey, the Dodgers threw the game away, you know, the Rays almost threw it right back. Uh, and the, the, I just I love baseball so much. I tweeted out it's the most stupid beautiful game in the world. When you see stuff like that, because we do we have all these statistics and all these things that give us a great deal of information. And um, I was on TDSP a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about one of the great things about baseball is that before any given play or even any given pitch, you can and you do and we do anytime we're in the same room together, or sometimes even just when we're texting, you run through all the possibilities. Of what could happen, he's going to go with this pitch. He's going to go with that pitch. He's going to throw it here. He's going to throw it there. Uh, He's going to hit into a double play. He's going to hit a two-run home run. You know, these are the you know the possible outcomes. And then every once in a while, baseball just gives you that thing that just like and for the last
1: play, and for the (laughs) last play, like that's just one of those strange plays. You go, wow, that was one of the weirdest plays we know we've seen in baseball history. It was the final play of the game, <laughs> easily the sloppiest play because, as you said, besides the fact that you have the error on on Chris Taylor in center field, the error on Muncy ended up getting a throwing error on that, I believe. It wasn't, it wasn't on Smith there. He should have caught it. But yeah. Muncy got a throwing error. There's a base running error with Rosarine, as you said, you know, falls <laughs> down. The third base coach also probably shouldn't have even bothered <laughs> sending him. Yeah. So it, it was, you know, a sloppy play, but so exciting. You're right. You can't can't draw something up like that. If you saw it in a movie, you wouldn't believe it, that it was real. And yet, you know, that was how that game ends. And whether or not you know Tampa wins, or 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 LA, you know, closes the deal Tuesday night in Game Six, that will still just go down as you know one of the all time greatest endings to any game, really. And, and it's it's strange because you you think about you know uh, the final play of a of a Super Bowl or a big play late in the game. Well, a Super Bowl is a one of one. You know, there's no it's it, it's permanently a game seven, so to speak. So right. baseball is 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 unique in in that way in a lot of ways. Um, that unless it's a game seven, you know, it might not might not be the end of it. So just just an absolutely exciting game four, game five again on Sunday night, as you said, Clayton Kershaw looked fantastic and I think really quieted a lot of people, you know, who maybe had those doubts like, you know, he's just not clutching in the postseason, which which isn't true because he's had a lot of fantastic performances. He's just also because he's in every, you know, postseason, <laughs> he gets at least yeah. one or two rounds, he's going to have one that is lackluster. You know, he's going to keep his team in, in the game, but, you know, goes out, Dodgers get a win in game one. They've got to win in game five, and he's got a chance. You know, if it goes if it goes to full seven, you could see him again on Wednesday night kind of doing, you know, the Madison Bumgarner move of, um, of you know, lifting his team throughout this World Series.
0: Yeah, and that would be legitimately very cool. You know, I've, I've, I've got a very strange relationship with this whole thing because on the one hand, I think Clayton Kershaw is kind of a little bit of a whiner, and, you know, the, the Dodgers just get so much. On the other hand, he's an extraordinary ball player. And and through his time in the league, more than anybody else, more than Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander or any of these other guys that have been great in this kind of era, when I watch Clayton Kershaw pitch more than anybody else, maybe now DeGrom a little bit, but I don't watch DeGrom pitch that much because who wants to watch the Mets? So (laughs) when I watch Clayton Kershaw pitch, I just find myself going, oh, did did you see that? did you see that pitch? Did everybody see? Did you? Oh man. How does anybody even ever just all game long? Right. And so it's interesting. Also this like whole dynamic of people wanting to like flip the narrative over two games. Also, I'm like, you know, he's, he's had his struggles in the postseason. season. He was never nearly as bad as people wanted to make him out to be. Uh, And you know, I don't know that he's, you know, turned his, he shouldn't have turned it around now in two games to like, He's some great champion or hero of the postseason, but it's a nice story that you get to do. It it reminds me a lot of, you know, A-Rod, Peyton Manning. Those were the guys when I was uh, younger who couldn't win the big one. Um, And and so it would be cool to see Clayton Kershaw come through and do it because those guys were all-time great players. It was great to see them win their championship. Uh, Kershaw would be great to see him do it. And we still get to put a little asterisk next to it. So, man, man, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a
1: win-win for Rockies fans, I think. Right. Cause you, you know, I think a lot of Rockies fans are they're baseball fans and they should be. And, and some are, you know, some people, they, they root for the city, they root for the state and, and, and all the power to you. If, if you're, if you're a homer in that way, right. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you're a Rockies fan and a baseball fan, you go, yeah, you know what, you, you want those guys to, you know, win a championship and, and, and finally get one. So it'll be great for Kershaw to, to have that list lift lifted and, not have to, you know, be, be Ted Williams in that way, or or Dan Marino, a guy, you know, that they never won a a ring. And um, that can be obviously, you know, disappointing. And I don't, I'm not going to say a black mark on, on a player's career because again, Ted Williams, an all-time great. Ernie Banks, Dan, Dan Marino, these guys are still legends. Um, So you say, okay, congratulations, Kershaw, you got it. But on the flip side, uh, the Dodgers are the, really? But yeah. it's, it's an asterisk this year, you know, oh, in, in, in a good way. Uh, it, no parade really. So, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're going on some of the, the, the late night shows probably, uh, maybe not as mm-hmm. much as previously in, in the past where they would have been all over the place. I mean, shoot, they're in LA. So it's like these guys right. can wake up, drive down and, uh, to Jimmy Kimmel's studio uh, or what have you. And, but, but not so much now. So. Yeah, it's, it's a catch 22 to, to see LA finally get it done. But maybe that who knows, maybe the dominoes start to fall a little bit. And all these guys, uh, a lot, especially a lot of the younger ones say, Hey, look, I, I want to go get paid. So look, I, I helped contribute to this. And other teams are going to go, man, Kike Hernandez. Yeah, he's he's not an all star. And, and he might not even be a, a, a full time starter that we can rely on for 140 games. But The guy knows how to win, right? That's 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 (laughs) part of the conversation, right? That that you have with players. And oh man, Jack Peterson, he knows how to win. So eventually, guys are going to start leaving, and we know they've got a great farm system. They've they got three or four rookies on this team alone that have you know contributed uh, this postseason. So the Dodgers will be all right, but but maybe because they won the World Series finally, they take their eye off the ball, and then the Rockies can win a legit NOS title, not one without the asterisk.
0: Love it. Love it. I love that theory so much, actually. And and we know that thing, actually, we've seen it happen to a bunch of championship teams. No, no. Of course the Dodgers have the resources and, you know, there's nothing that suggests any kind of immediate roster impending doom or anything like that. But yeah, we have seen teams like win the big one, guys start asking, okay, I need a little bit more in mind. We've all, we got our rings now. We got our championship. We, We all had the thing. But now I want to make sure I'm taking care of me. I got to get my money. I got to take care of my family. I got to do what I I need to do. Or if I'm on this team, I'm not going to get enough playing time. I need to, you know, James Harden my way off of this situation and run away from Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and go somewhere where I'm going to be the star. I'm sick of coming off the bench. And if I'm wrong, he should have been a star and he should have been getting paid star money. And he's one of the best players in the NBA. But, you you know, that, that Thunder team, they didn't even win the championship. They got real close, and they had three of the greatest players of this generation. And then even getting close, they all started to go, I, I got to get mine a little bit more. I, 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 need to, I, need to, I need to eat. And then you you start falling apart a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see. And as you mentioned, you know, the closer is only going to hang around for so much longer. Clayton Kershaw is only going to hang around for so much longer. Walker Buehler is going to be a problem for a while. Uh, <laughs> and Walker Buehler mm, that's going to uh, hurt. is going to be a problem for a while.
1: But you're right. The, and also, too, the guys are going to want to go get paid and say, Hey, I want to be a dude somewhere else. Yeah. Hey, yeah. if we all decide, guys, let's all just sign a bunch of one year deals and let's have this exact same roster for like three more years. What do you say, guys? Like, didn't they try wanna... trade
0: Jock Peterson to the, like the Angels or something? Right. They, they didn't even become public? It, it was a three
1: team deal. Yeah. So,
0: there's going to I'm gonna go go somewhere where I'm gonna be the star player and hit 40. Pretty much, right, and get
1: paid. And because once, I mean, that's on a
0: team that wants me.
1: Yeah, you're playing to try to win the World Series. You're playing for the ring, but again, um, you got to put food on your table. And and by food, we mean caviar, (laughs) uh, steak, (laughs) lobster, surf and turf. You know, the whole thing.
0: A lot of times, it's uh, putting food on 28 tables. A lot of these guys got their their whole families. You know. Uh, it's true. a lot of places. So. And
1: and, you, and besides the food, you know, you want to you want to be having some some of the nicer adult beverages, you know, like whether it's That's right. champagne or, you know, what there's a couple options out there. What are some? Are you suggesting drinks? they
0: could grab themselves a tasty Breckenridge Brew from our friends at Breckenridge Brew?
1: Like I said, high-end beverages.
0: I got the Avalanche Amber Ale here that I've been going through. It's fantastic. Patrick mentioned earlier that my hometown Palisade Peaches, the objectively best peaches in the world, are now a key ingredient in the newest, most, well actually it's the second newest, most delicious Breckenridge brew. Now that that Bronco one is snuck in. The Broncos always sneaking in on my fun. Either way, whichever one you prefer, whether you're going with that Palisade Peach Wheat this here Avalanche Amber Ale, the Bronco one from Mile High. uh, uh what, no, the, the Mile High City is the uh, Copper Lager. That's the basketball one. So I'm getting my sports mixed up again. It doesn't matter. It really, actually, it does. It really doesn't matter which Breckenridge beer you grab. It's a tasty jam. And you can get five bucks off if you go down to the farmhouse and use promo code DNVR. Just give them a call at 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. You can get curbside pickup or you can go hang out at their socially distanced and beautiful outdoor dining area. You get the Breck brew, you get the food, you're having yourself a good time and while you've got that stuff by the way i do highly recommend uh playing a little wgt golf while you're sipping on your breck brew there it's a perfect companion because it's a whole lot of fun it's very good for golf people but it's also very free for everybody yeah. so whether you're uh, a hardcore golf person who wants to get into all of, like the top golf you're getting the special clubs and the golf balls and the, of course all the apparel or If you just like having a a wacky stick game, as I, of course, like to call it, that you can uh, tap on your phone while you're standing in line somewhere out there, while you're waiting, uh, while you're maybe stuck inside uh, because going back on lockdown again, all kinds of reasons, while you might want to have a fun, free distraction at WGT Golf. You can download it for free at dnvrgolf.com. Play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world-famous golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews. And more challenges here on the DNVR staff, talk a little trash. Let us know that you are the superior digital golfer. It's always spring
1: and always summer on WGT golf. So when it's snowy outside and and, and you can't really get a chance to get your vitamin D in and, and and get some some fresh air and some sun, WGT will will be your vitamin D, I think, especially if you turn it up to its highest brightness, I think yeah. you might might get everything you need from that
0: uh science uh so <laughs> this, is, this is how it works kids so uh patrick let's give the people of course a little bit of colorado Rockies talk uh you know one of the things i've been thinking about recently because uh, there have been rumors for a little while that uh, rob manfred is you know really considering making some of these rule changes permanent uh he walked that back in a, a more recent interview but from a Rockies perspective, you know we, we've talked a lot. You and I have shared our opinions on uh, the rule changes and and whether or not you know we we like them <laughs> and which ones we like, which ones we don't. We had a, we did a whole game about it on the DFA show uh, several weeks ago. But I was thinking more from a Rockies perspective this season, uh, and, and then now moving forward, you know how did these rule changes let's begin we know they didn't get much out of the dh this last year right uh we thought maybe this was going to be something that could help the rockies was it just the fact that daniel murphy was bad and so that threw a a total wrench in their plans do they need to figure out how to use the dh better or should they be thinking about having a dh as something on their roster which of course we know they couldn't really do last year And it's still up in the air about next year, but in a world where the rule is permanent, is that something you target in trades and free agents since the Rockies really didn't have a true DH this year, or should you do more how they did and kind of, you know, different guy DHs here and there, and we're using it to get people rest kind of model.
1: Yeah, that, that's a, that's a loaded question. That's a, that's a lot to break down for such a, you know, a, a simple concept, right? I think, you know, it it won't be until 2022 that we see the Universal DH. Again, we couldn't say there's a gray area. We're not sure what happens. But the Universal DH was temporary for 2020. And the commissioner could decide, you know what, we want to keep that one. And, and I think Players Union would be fine with it. As it were, they're going to use that as a negotiating chip. So, you know what, we're not going to see that permanently till 2022. But I I think, you know, the the Rockies got caught off guard, like most National League teams, where – all of a sudden there was a designated hitter spot and they didn't really have a ninth player that was going to be getting full-time at bats. Now they looked out and Matt Kemp did a fantastic job really for the first three to four weeks of the season. And I think, you know, all things being said, they they probably would have done it differently, you know um, where they, they would have targeted maybe somebody better that, that could be more of a a full-time guy, but I think as long as you're you're looking for a player that um, can be your DH, I think, for 50 to 75 percent of the season, you're OK. So that, that doesn't mean a Nelson Cruz, because I, th- I think, you know, in Colorado, and we've talked about this before, too, is like this idea that Colorado needs to leave the DH open as a spot as almost a freelance spot to give guys days off. And and Charlie Blackman, hey, five years from now, Charlie Blackman will be a figment of our imagination, and and he most likely will not be a Rocky anymore. But there'll be other guys that'll be a little bit older or a little bit banged up, right? David Dahl is is maybe in his early 30s after getting extended. He's going to need a couple days off. Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, these guys also early 30s, mid-30s, are going to need some days off. So that's typically how a lot of teams – have been using that DH spot and I think you know Colorado still needs to do that. That being said, they can't just have their ninth best hitter as the DH and just say, all right, we got our eight starters. Here's our bench and we'll just look for the matchup. Like they need it needs to be better than that. You need we're seeing it in this World Series how every guy on the roster has you know value, has has an importance. They're gonna need every single one of those guys in a lot of ways. I mean, we we even saw it in Game 5 when, you know, Kevin Cash went to uh, a pinch hitter, uh, lifted for for G-Man Choi. I think it was Kevin Kiermaier um, came in as a pinch hitter. David Roberts had to bring in the the, uh, left-handed pitcher to face him, and then he went back to another. So basically, to to Mike Brousseau. So basically, he burned a pinch hitter because of that matchup. And I think Colorado is going to have to really – you know, target somebody that can be a fourth outfielder where you say, all right, these four guys are going to rotate in and around. One of them is going to be, you know, the DH maybe a little bit more than others. If you're looking at like a Will Myers type or JD mm-hmm. Martinez, but a guy who can still go out there in the field if you need it. So that's, that's a spot that when the universal DH does come and um, we fully expect it will in, in by 2022, Colorado is really going to benefit that by that, you know, probably, you know, a little bit more than some other teams that is until it doesn't work out. And then we go, ah, oh, just another one of those things that are complicated for Colorado and nobody else.
0: Right. Um, I, I do, I do sincerely believe that if they play it even mediocrely, is that a word I'm running with it? Uh, that, that will be something that they can swing to their advantage. Unfortunately, I think the other big, rule change that we saw this year that I don't think was talked about enough. And and I honestly, w- when we were in the middle of it, uh, forgot to, I think, make a bigger deal of it as we saw how decimated the Rockies bullpen became. And and a lot of it was just because legitimately I, I don't have a ton of faith in a lot of the guys who threw out of the bullpen for the Rockies this last year. And so I wasn't inclined to dig into their numbers for a deeper explanation to their struggles. On the other hand, the three batter minimum uniquely impacts the Colorado Rockies worse than anybody else. And it's actually going to, it's going to be worse moving forward because we didn't have as many um, long home stands this year, right? They didn't have like an 11 game homestand and I was having this weird debate with a bunch of people uh, on Twitter the other day about um, Pythag and the reason why it can get a little bit wonky at Coors field, just like everything else. I was like, well, there's an inordinate number of blowouts at Coors field. The Rockies have to play 81 games there a season. And at most any visitor is going to have to play like 10 and some teams aren't even going to play that many. And so Putting the Pythag thing away, though, we can talk about that another time. For the bullpen, that really, like, that same principle applies. This notion that, well, other teams are going to have a hard time when they come to Colorado with their bullpen, too. No, because a bullpen is something that is a strategy that is a week long strategy. And if you're only in Colorado for three days, you can deal, you can mix and match. You can make one of those days purposely, and a lot of teams do this anyway to protect their starting pitcher that doesn't want to pitch a game here. Make it a bullpen day. A lot of teams do that. And you don't burn people out because three days from now, you're out of there. And you're going to get back to a more controlled environment where you more confidently as a manager go, I, I can use my best reliever in the seventh inning because I'm not worried that tomorrow's game is going to get totally out of hand and I'm going to run out of relievers. If Bud Black has to manage at Coors Field nine, 10, 11 consecutive days, how he manages the bullpen on day four impacts day seven, eight, nine. And when you can't go away from a guy who's out there eating it at Coors Field, you could throw 30 pitches to two guys You know, walk them both. You, know, you you can get really roughed up at Coors Field to not be able to go away from a guy or to not be able to use a guy that's got 20 pitches in him tonight, but not 40. Um, again, I don't think it's the reason why the Rockies bullpen was bad this last year, but I do think some of those times we saw those games that just totally got away from them it, it is something they're going to have to try to figure out how to manage because this is going to be an issue with the bullpen when when you can't have a quick hook on a guy who doesn't have it that day or when you can't mix and match a player to throw against just one hitter because that's all the bullets he's got in his gone for that day. It's, it's going to be brutal out there, man.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think, again, Coors Field is always going to impact Colorado more than any other team, no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I think a lot of teams throughout baseball are, are not really digging the three-batter minimum rule, and, and, and that's, you know, that was implemented, you know, not as a part of the last CBA, so, I mean, very easily, that's something that could go away, and I, and I think we, you know, we might see that. I think there's going to be that experimentation um, going on uh, with, with, with MLB, trying to get the, the length of games you know, to, to decrease and, and to make the experience more enjoyable for viewers at home. Cause again, that's for 2020, that's where they made their money. They made their money off of the, the television and, and the network deals that they have. Cause no one came to the ballpark. That's, it's why major league baseball lost over 3 million, excuse me, $3 billion. Yeah, Right. And, and the Rockies alone, I, I saw one estimate that suggested they lost about $175 million this last year. So, you know, wh- wh- whether the game is is, is going to be longer or shorter, you know, teams need to to protect their investments and it's it's kind of similar to, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to it, is the extra inning rule with starting the runner on second base where again, if you're talking about protecting your investment, you don't want guys going out there having to pitch an extra inning when, you know, they don't necessarily you know, have the ability to do it safely without injuring themselves, and then using another reliever the next day, and, and another guy, and it just kind of expedites things a little bit. And think about it. I I've been to a couple extra inning games in my life, and I I don't know that you know, in the in the the eleventh inning, I'm like, you know what? Let me go up. Let me grab a you know, can't can't buy a beer. Let me grab another right. hot dog. You're you're you know, you're invested in the game, right? Because anything can happen that that's going to change the outcome. Just like that, there's also less people in the ballpark, and you know sometimes they close the stands up a little bit early. If it's a cold one, you're like, oh man, I need some hot chocolate. They're all out of hot chocolate, right? We've, we've all been to those kind of games, so it's not like MLB is making more money where they go. All oh, right, we played an 18 inning game, so we made twice as much money, right? Because it was two nine inning games. No, it, it it wasn't. So, you know, speeding up the end of the game, I think, just makes sense. All, all around, like it, it, it doesn't benefit the game in any way Yeah, It's, it's part of part of the game and it's part of one of those beautiful things. And, uh, it's, it's historically you know, been the way we've gone about our business, but historically we've had umpires just making calls. And when it was an awful call and everyone in the ballpark can see that it was wrong, it just stood. And now we have a way of changing that. So I think in a lot of ways, you know, Having the, the California tiebreaker, the runner on second base, um, starting extra innings, it, just, it it makes a lot of sense. And and in, t- in time, you know, in a couple years' time, I, I don't think, you know, a lot of baseball fans are – it's not going to ruffle too many feathers. You know, baseball is not going to lose oh, any their really hardcore
0: discreet. fans. I hate it. I absolutely hate yeah. it. I think people are going to continue to hate it. Uh, I, I were, really so, do. I. I you, totally, yeah.
1: If if you didn't have credentials and anything, you would you'd still go to game, you'd still watch as much as you did. Oh, you sure. would just come tenth in and go, uh, so you're not gonna lose fans if you if you do
0: something like that. Probably not, but I, I submit that that is a, a poor business model to <laughs> walk yourself <laughs> forward with ideas going, Oh, we're not gonna lose people. No, I I mean I think you're totally right. I I submit a compromise. Actually, this was Kind of, And I hate this too, by the way, but still.
1: 19th uh, inning on, runner on second base. Is that the compromise?
0: The uh, Len from Edmonton wrote in and asking about how about instead, after the 12th inning, just end the game in a tie and do like European style or soccer style points. And I'm telling you, I would prefer that a thousand times over to the California runner rule. It's sort of like – I would, KBO's I,
1: got the tie also.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will totally take a tie where each team uh, gets a point. It also helps with like the whole arguments over like run differential and Pythag and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It gets you to like a truer sense of if, 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 because part of the whole point is you want truer outcomes. And when you start throwing more randomness and chaos into it, oh, there's game, no outcome. It's a tie. chaotic. Well, right, but it's that is the outcome. The that and that outcome is true because then each team gets the same amount of points toward, you know, going to the postseason or not. Obviously, you you then have to have a Ugh. point system or a, a tiebreaker, but I, I just prefer that so much more than giving uh the the total win to the team that got the luckiest under a dumb rule at the end in the closest games, like handing the closest the closest games which are, you know, the ones that are by definition a coin flip and making them even more chaotic uh, to me is just just ridiculous. Like it's just uh, like I said, it it adds that extra layer of chaos that's already in the game or luck that we're already having a, a hard enough time adjusting for in the game of baseball. To, to add another element of luck. I would just as well say, well, well, no, we played for 12 innings. Neither team could separate themselves from the other. So you each get a point and you move on with so – because we've got 162 of these things. After enough time, that stuff will separate out.
1: That – no, I, I – I know what you're saying. I, I Man, I, I don't know. I think that's 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 an awful – I think that's awful. <laughs> I don't – I, don't, I think
0: But I prefer a tie to deciding the winner on the California rule BS. Like to me, that's just like, that's a hollow win or loss right now. And that's so much worse. A hollow win or loss to me is worse than a tie. And the California rule creates a hollow win and loss. I I
1: think it's, again, I think in in a couple of years time, if that rule sticks around, it you know, you obviously you'll accept it, but I I think you'll go, yeah, it's just a way to get, get it moving a little bit. Like, okay, we're gonna have a runner on second base. So it it just moves it along where it would naturally be. Like, I don't, I don't know of any, (sighs) I I, I'm just, I'm almost dumbfounded. I I think it gets us to a a win or a loss, but it just gets us there quicker. That's it. I mean, you know, instead of waiting for the team to have a leadoff double, Let's just give both teams a runner on second base, so they each have the same fair opportunity to.
0: Because both teams teams to be equally capable of getting a leadoff double, and whoever's more capable of getting the leadoff double ought to be. In that
1: particular game, in theory, in theory, they're both the same. They both have the same because they have the same amount of runs. It's it's extra innings. That's right. Um, You've
0: taken one of the abilities of the teams and taken it out of. The question by evening the playing field, where the playing field should be determined on the talent of the two teams, not the rule. You're putting a <laughs> runner in scoring position, which allows you to score a run through sheer dumb luck without having to produce a hit.
1: When you say evening the playing field, it suggests that when you start the tenth inning, one team has an advantage over the other. It's a tie game. It's a, it's it's a zero zero ball game. So I think but it...
0: some teams are going to be more advantaged by having the runner at second. Than not. And some of it's going to be based on pure dumb luck based on where they're at in the lineup. But wouldn't happens.
1: that team still have the same exact advantage if you play 12 innings, if that team is no. better, don't they still have that same advantage? No, there's they're so more extra innings.
0: It all depends on who gets thrown out there at second, how teams are built. Who's like, there's so many it other will be
1: coincidental. So it's not like you can strategically, you know, you're you're right having,
0: an, having an advantage just because it's coincidental doesn't discount the fact that you have an advantage and that's the problem you're coincidentally through sheer act of randomness and luck giving one team an advantage one team a disadvantage and it could end up being the case that over the course of you know seeing it often enough we would see patterns about who it would be true but uh Regardless of whether or not even such a pattern exists where you could be like, oh, you know, certain teams are at an advantage because of the California rule in any given game. Because like who who starts at second base is like determined upon like, where you're at in the lineup, which is right, a, a, a big luck of the draw. So if you happen to get a super speedy guy at second base and the other team happens to get a super slow guy at second base, that one team is at an advantage and the other team is at a disadvantage. Now, again, but what if the a- other
1: team's got their best hitter coming up in the 10th inning and the other team has their seventh hitter? Well, now the other team's got the advantage. So that that's baseball, right? This is a well, great conversation so for a rainy day.
0: These are advantages that were created by the rule and not by you doing something. So there's well, there, there's no the like
1: is you have to start right
0: yeah. you, yes, you can change my example to make it so that it's equal, but they're not all going to be. That's the point. That's the fact of the matter. So you can change the example and say, Well, what if the other team has the better hitter? That could be the case. Forget all that. They've got the faster runner and the better hitter just because of where they happen to be in their lineup. That team has an advantage, the other team has a disadvantage, and it's not one that they created through smart roster building or through good play. It just so happened to be that this rule benefits them in this way.
1: At and this and particular moment, it, it
0: benefit the other team. I, yeah. I, I don't, well, well, we'll have that. No guarantee that it does. It, yeah. that, that, that's like and when people run. say like the, the bad strikes right down the middle, like, Oh, well, you know, it, yeah, but it could go for the other guy the next time. It when could, the Dodgers, when the Dodgers
1: like, are Clayton Kershaw against, you know, Chichi Gonzalez, it's,
0: I wouldn't call that an unfair advantage. It's no, that's an advantage. That to have up. Roster. I, I meant. I drew that distinction very clearly. This is an advantage that was not created through roster building or good play. Those things are different. How you do you have...
1: roster build for your guy making the final out in the ninth inning? And now he's on second base as the
0: base runner. You don't. That's exactly so that's, why that's why it's fair. That's why it's fair. No, it's not. No, just because it's blindly unfair doesn't make it fair. Saying just that it's going to be blindly treating that, 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 no, no, no. It's, it's going to come up. How do you roster build teams. to put a guy up
1: to bat in the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth, two outs in a tie ball That's game? What you can't. You get can. an out.
0: Plan for it. That's so that is why run. that's fair.
1: So that is why it's fair to start the runner on second base and expedite the outcome. So that example. It's,
0: saying it's fair to call the first pitch right down the middle a ball in any given game, as long as you do that often enough that it goes that way for every single team. That's it's not fair just because it's uh, un, it could potentially be unfair equally. And it's probably not going to be unfair equally. Like all you're suggesting is that there's the possibility that whatever advantage is gained or lost could theoretically balance out. But there's no guarantee that you're it's making going this down. harder than it needs to be. I, no, I just don't think... this is just the fact of the matter, dude. There is an advantage gained and lost just through this rule of the California rule by putting a guy at second base. But it's it's but both teams, but both at teams random have that. No, right at random. No, they don't both have it equally. They both get a runner on so second base. Over the course of individual seasons, are going to be unfairly disadvantaged an inordinate number of times because of the California rule. It's not yeah, going to work out equally. I'd rather see than that than a so,
1: so So basically, to, to get back to the but argument. At least with the tie, you it, it
0: 100% more- guarantee that it works out that way. You 100% guarantee that each team gets their I think that's a bigger problem I I think
1: think it's a bigger problem to have the tie than it is the California I'm sure they've discussed discussed that the idea of like hey what if we brought in the tie all right you know what I mean like they've just you know I, I I trust MLB to have had that conversation they're like if given a choice I mean I I've I I've would have imagined before the 2020 season, I would have said, I guess we're going to start this thing with the runner on second base, you know, cause, cause there's a lot of evidence, I think of like, why it does make sense. And, and I think you've stated a lot of really good points as to why it would make sense to like, let the game kind of try to, you know, play itself out over three additional innings. Um, and that, that I think makes sense, but I think it's, it's the tie that, that's the issue. I mean, the NFL is really the only of the four major sports that has a true, tie and i think you understand that because you go yeah those guys are going to kill themselves like it's it's an awful sport uh for that whereas you know in in, in the nba you know they they keep playing and playing and that's yeah. rough uh and hockey they have the tie where you, you know you get the point yeah. shootout. um so maybe there's some kind of compromise you know for that and and I think we talked about that at the beginning of 2020, of like, what are some creative rules you immediately have a home run derby, and and is maybe the home run derby instead of having the guy who made the final out of the ninth on second base, he's your he's your home
0: run derby contestant. <laughs> throwing uh-huh. the game. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I'd almost rather do the home run derby. Again, I don't love the tie either, but for me, sure. again, like no one's advantaged or disadvantaged by a tie, the very least. Uh, I, I feel like you're you're keeping the competitiveness even. I, I I cannot conceive of any possible way in which giving, like it feels weird and it's definitely not baseball. I tweeted out the other two in response to Len. I, I said, you know, the ghost of Connie Mack will haunt us forever. But uh, to that's me, it's, is-
1: if you take the whole points thing away, because that's, that's another thing of like, all right, you got to do all this math. Just, just kind of forget like, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, yeah your uh win-loss percentage
0: if it's just uh, win-loss yeah. and then there's another category and then we and, have like, yeah. rule for t- tie of the of the ties as it were um sure yeah.
1: yeah and i have to go back and look how many games actually last beyond 12 innings like you've got that kind of you know right. element going on as well but i think again if you say another, right, twelve,
0: well, if, the, if the goal is to is to shorten games you know, you could still theoretically play forever. Now, I don't, I don't think we've had that many, but you could still theoretically play forever, right, With the, under the California rule, at least under a tie at the end of the 12th inning. Th- there's a cap on it. Like, audience, will, if, if we're keeping the audience, right, you're talking about, you're, you're not going to leave if you know, okay, the, the most this can go is 12 innings, and then it's going to be... Done or whatever. Whereas with the California rule, you could still go 15, 16, 17 innings. Do, do we know? Is that what you are you checking? Yeah, i
1: what <laughs> the longest game was this season. I don't remember seeing any game that really game last know. past 13th.
0: A couple guys, innings 13. maybe a couple get to
1: 13. There could have been a 13-inning game. But, so but then, I think you right. I
0: don't think so. Right. I
1: think the question also, too, is like, you know, you got you so you're speeding you're you're speeding up the end of the game you're, you're trying to by putting the runner on second because if the score stays the same you could be there forever so if teams are scoring runs that's again you're manufacturing runs um and and so the, the question goes like again the impact of having to play these additional innings throwing these extra pitches for your relievers like and, and how much money you're paying these relievers i think that's for why you know major league baseball i don't i don't think they would, would go that route because th- there's a, there's a lot of money involved in that on, un- un- unfortunately, and, and yeah. um, a lot of bad press too. I mean, baseball got a lot of bad press, I think for the California tiebreaker rule, I, I think not a ton. I think it would get a lot worse for the tie.
0: Um, but, but, but they, it, would, it's, they it's get roasted for the tie. They would get roasted for that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. They would. Oh, yeah. I did. I, I, I just got this uh, text from a, a political action committee. Letting me know that people need to hear my opinion. Should I text them back and let them know that's not really a problem? <laughs> yeah, no. Tell them say hey, absolutely. There should be a tie after the twelfth. 12th-
1: no, actually, he sends you a text going, "Please lose my number," and you're like, "What?" Hi, I'm Sam. Vote America.
0: Um, and and give me a clock. Over the over the three batter minimum, again, do I want a clock? Do I want a tie? No. But if I have to concede to the people that want to make baseball games shorter or less boring or, or, or whatever, more entertaining, whatever it is, uh, if I've got to concede one of those things, it's it's the clock. As much as I hate to say it, I don't want to see it. Can I just not have to see it? There already is, by the way. I, I think I've mentioned this before. There is a rule that you've got thirty seconds to throw a pitch, and if it takes you longer than that, they can assess you with a ball. It's just umpires don't ever do it, right? Um, so if we've got to put a clock out there to make it easier for them, uh, I'd prefer that. Then again, and, and again, it's it's the it's the competitive thing. At least the clock is going to treat it's a dead cold machine data, and it's going to treat everyone the same, just like the electronic strike zone. Uh, but the the three batter minimum doesn't treat everybody the same um people who play in offensive environments are going to be hurt by it more in the rockies until they make their outfield smaller are going to be hurt by it way more than anybody else in baseball and so like put a big ugly clock at coors field if we can just allow the manager to have full reign over when guys are coming in and out of the game
1: <laughs> you know the the move that could be the wildest one that baseball could make even wilder than, than the tie would be doing something like moving the mound back. Right. If we talk about getting quicker games, it, it can take upwards of at least a minute just to strike a guy out on three pitches. Like that takes all of a minute, but you put a ball in play scooped up over to first second out of the, of the third inning. Like we need the ball to be put in play a little bit more and guys are just striking out too much. So if you move the mound back, that would... Now, again, I I don't think they should do that. But, you know, I know in 2019 when MLB, you know, kind of partnered with the Atlantic League and, and Independent League, which they are now kind of bringing under their umbrella along with the American Association and a couple other uh, independent leagues uh, around, you know, uh, around the game. And it's it's all part of Manfred kind of being the president of baseball, like... Not MLB, but like yeah. the head of baseball. And, so and, and that's and yeah. for another podcast.
0: Of like, <laughs>
1: yeah. College baseball, independent, collegiate summer leagues, all of those things. But one of the suggestions that they had made, um, and, and we talked about some of them with you can steal first base. So ultimately, if the pitcher throws a, a wild pitch and you see it clanking around the backstop, you could go and, and take first base. Okay, I get it, whatever. But one of the things they proposed was the first half of the season, the mound was going to be 60 feet 6 inches, and in the second half of the season, they were actually going to move the mound back. Now, they never did, but you've got to think, why would you do something like that? The only reason in my mind is it just allows hitters to see the ball a little bit longer, put the ball in play, and ergo you got a lot more contact. The game's a little bit more exciting. It moves a little bit quicker. Baseball has done that already once in its history. Well, it's done it many times in its history, in fact. But um, I think that could be the more kind of strange rule. And again, that's that's one of those things, too, where if you're not a huge baseball fan, you, you, know, you could not even go to a game in five years, or you, you could go to the opening day, and you're not going to even notice it. It's not even going to bother you. You just can go, that was a really good game. I, I remember the offseason, people were complaining about baseball is going to suffer. Man, I've, I've gone to a couple of these games this season. They've all been really exciting. Yeah, it's because it's just this minor detail that you know insiders can see and, and hardcore baseball fans and whatnot. You know, we know what's going on. But I think to the average sports fan, if you see the ball get put in play and you've got more action going on, that's going to be good for you.
0: Yeah, this is one I'm I I go back and forth on for sure because I've I've talked before about how Manfred has these two for whatever reason this this example keeps coming up for me a lot lately contradictory orders you know yeah. get away from me hand me that um, and there there's a lot of uh, you know Manfred I uh, need there needs to be more offense more action in baseball but the games need to be shorter it's like dude you it's very you can't do that. Uh, but you actually, you you can, maybe. I think you can do it with the electronic strike zone a little bit. I think that speeds up the game a little bit more and just a bigger strike zone in general. That's one way to go, but that would lead to, I think at first it would lead to a lot more strikeouts. I do think ultimately it would get to the same kind of conclusion you're reaching here is guys are going to put the ball in play a lot more often and not rely on uh, the human umpire to essentially extend at bats. For you to give the pitcher the 3 0 pitch that was close enough, come on, let's force a little action where the machine's just going, nope, you take it, go. Guys are going after anything that's close because anything that just touches the zone is a strike. So you got to go out there and put the ball in play. But this is the other idea that can actually accomplish both things. The difficult balance is going to be, right, making sure that you guys aren't just breathing that offensive innings don't go on forever that the home run ball you know try, trying to find a way so that the, the home run ball can kind of be curtailed just a very little bit uh because if the idea is yeah more action I'm, I'm totally with like conceptually I very much love the idea of yeah it could work and, and
1: yeah and and with the automated uh strike zone too you're not you're it'll probably shave, you know, besides the major points of, you know, guys, like you said, protecting the play, putting the ball in play a little bit more, but it, it'll shave a minute off the time of the game because now instead of catchers framing it and being like, you know, kind of holding it there for the umpire and throwing it back. It's literally like a catch and throw thing of like the pitch comes in, caught it. You just throw it back to the guy. Like it's nothing because you're not waiting for anything. You don't need to frame it. You don't need to present it. It's just right. a formality of like, look, if, this, if it's a strike or not, it's going to be a strike or not. So I don't need to do anything. I can just catch it and then I'm just going to fire it back to, to you. And that's it. You know, <laughs> it's pretty simple.
0: Even stuff where like the batter has to take a second. Like we all know about like the, the arguments that go on for a while, but even the times where the batter like walks around and takes his helmet off and goes, That wasn't a strike, you son of a. Picks right. up or whatever. If the robot calls it, you just go, <sighs> really damn nice pitch dude okay all right ready to hit like that takes you know 10 20 percent of the time so but but i'm with you if there's a way to create it so that the ball is hit in play more often but that means more fielding more singles more you know that kind of action but not necessarily more home runs fewer strikeouts and walks and and i do think that the the electronic strike zone will lead to fewer walks as well and i'm all for that look i I'm not, ai am I'm all for the money ball stuff. I I love the guys who know how to take a walk. Like I I like watching them do it too, but the casual fan doesn't Patrick and I can sit and watch, uh, two locals chain wrestle the crap out of the beginning of 55, 55 of of a match and be entertained because, because we love wrestling. Two Gulak is a household name.
1: Right. Uh, where, where I live. Everyone else, like, who? Oh, the rock. Yeah. I know the rock. Oh, Drew Gulak. Come on. Give some, yeah. give some love to him. He's pretty good.
0: Right. It's like, I want to see technicians like Drew Gulak doing their thing. Like other people want to see guys coming off the top rope, doing the big move. They want to see the rock mm-hmm. right. Doing all that stuff. And so, you know, that's, that's what uh, no one wants to see anybody walk. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. Baseball purists. And when the Red Sox came to town, I wanted to die. It's the only time in my life since I've been doing this that I've been in the press box. I've been sick in the press box. Sorry, folks. I've been having with a cold. With a cold. Right. Not Not yet. Anything
1: (laughs) recent that?
0: Remember the times we're living in, right? Uh, Years ago, uh, when Ichiro got his 3,000th hit, uh, that was a day I actually had to leave the ballpark right after that. So I was just ill. Stuff like that. I've never hated being in the press box except when the Red Sox were here taking every count to 3-2, taking nine inning games, four and a half hours every single – it's excruciating. And so I get where the commissioner is coming from as much as I hate the pace of play stuff. Uh, So make the strike zone bigger (laughs) and and let the, the robot call it up to the letters as it used to be across the plate. Up to the letters. Call that high strike. Guys will swing more. They'll put the ball in play more. They won't sit around waiting for the absolute perfect pitch that they can crush over the wall. Which is basically the only offense that's allowed anymore.
1: <laughs> it would be interesting if eventually, at one point, if you know they, they need to shake the game up in in twenty forty five, where. The home team where there's a flip of a coin at the beginning of a game and the team that wins the the coin toss gets to decide the look of the strike zone so you say oh you know what my guy throws a little high so you, we're gonna move it up one inch or you know what he's uh he he Love likes it. to paint the black but he's a little bit wider so we're gonna widen the strike zone, maybe cut off the the, the upper and lower part so you're you're pitching to a different zone each and every time. Kind of similar to, you okay. know, but
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: but it's consistent where you hit that spot, yeah, you're going to get it. Now, obviously, you'd have to have like this virtual image of what the strike zone looks like. You have to have your own uh a Subaru strike zone in your head. And you know, by that point with with augmented reality and all that, who knows, guys might even be able to do that. So
0: I'm I'm so ready. I'm so <laughs> ready for this whole new age of baseball. With ties and robots and stuff. Well, now that we've scared the hell out of every traditional baseball fan out there, I think it's a good time to wrap this one up. Uh, had some fun doing this today. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Make sure to shoot us some questions as we're getting ready to wrap up the season. What are you looking at for the Colorado Rockies off season? We're going to start looking into specific free agents uh, next week. We've got a, Bunch of articles coming your way. you got to make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com. Again, running through members of the current Colorado Rockies. Should they stay around? Should they be headed out of here by now? We've got to talk more about the big philosophical Coors Field conundrum questions and the research that Patrick and I have been putting together throughout the offseason trying to figure out if there's some kind of formula that the Colorado Rockies can follow in order to defeat their unique demon and find themselves a little bit of su- success. So, in order to hang out with us for all that, you got to follow on social media at Drew Creasman, at Patrick D Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come on down to the DNVR bar. By the way, come on down to the DNVR bar. It's a pretty cool place to catch a football game, even when the Broncos get whacked. Uh, Your college football team, uh, a UFC fight. Patrick and I are going to convince them before too long to get their WWE situation and their, their AEW situation. I've got to get myself out of that. They're on like TNT on Wednesdays. I think Gotta get that AEW situation settled uh, because we need more fun stuff to watch with all of you down at, at the DNVR bar and big, Big reboot this week. We're bringing back the DNVR gaming podcast with myself, AJ, and Rudo. Uh, We have been on a little bit of a hiatus there for a little while because all of us were covering the playoffs at the same time. Now, I wasn't covering a playoff team as well, you know, but still, first time in uh, DNVR slash BSN history we've ever had three sports in the playoffs at the same time because, you know, it's the first time that's happened, I'm pretty sure. Are you guys Um, having
1: a Tetris tournament?
0: Yeah. Any chance on DNVR gaming? Yeah, we got to get uh, you. Know, man, we should. And and we got to learn how to play that among us. Uh, I've heard that's yes. a lot of fun. We got to get that going. You don't even know how to play video games. Get the community involved. We want to do more and more stuff like that.
1: All um, your favorite politicians are playing among us. So you, you have to start playing now, too.
0: Straight <laughs> true. Straight true. All right. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out and continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Kreisman in here. And until next time, we will see you the Malta.